Orange is the New Black, Season 3, Episode 6 is over, but we are just getting started at post-show recaps. Hello, everybody. My name is Jessica Lees, and we got a lot of Frito Pea Patty recipes to swap here. Um, here with me, as always, is my cellmate and co-host, Ms. Taylor Cotter. Hello, Hi. Taylor. Hi, everyone. So how yummy did that look? I like I said earlier in the season, like when I when uh, Tasty was eating the crumb slash bed bug, I have a hard time with any gross food stuff that happens <laughs> at all. So I like really I was holding on to like the edge of my seat being like, is this going to be gross? And it was a little gross, but it was OK. It ultimately ended up being fine. <laughs> hey, you know, you put enough hot sauce on anything. It probably tastes pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely had like, you know, not exactly what Chang was cooking up there, but uh, variations thereof, and I can, I can live with it. Hey, you lived in a dorm. You know I what's lived, up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, and actually in the book, um, Piper Kerman writes about a couple of the more popular prison recipes, mm-hmm. and one of them that she talks about is um, that they all know how to make a cheesecake, Ooh. and they make it out of I can't remember what all the ingredients are, but the primary ingredient is one of those little round um, baby bell cheeses. Okay, that's not terrible. Yeah, and apparently yeah. this was like her specialty that she was she was very good at baking the cheesecake. So that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this was all Chang all day, which is kind of a flashback that I didn't feel like we needed, but I still liked it. Yeah, now that we have it, I'm glad that it was a thing we got. Um, and I think we've had a lot of these episodes where you're not expecting that this is the person you're going to get the flashback from, but once you get it, you're glad to know more about them. Like I think yes. I think Gloria was one of those people for me. Um, maybe Flaka even to some extent, but Chang, I didn't see that who, coming. This is a name I forget. Uh, the track star girl. Uh, Watson. Watson, yes. Uh, she... Uh, she, I liked hers too. Was one that it's like, no, it wasn't ever top of mind for me. But when we got it, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and she was one of those people we didn't really know much about her until we got that flashback. So exactly, yeah. Chang has been a constant presence on the show pretty much from the beginning, and it's kind of cool that even the weird comic relief has this incredibly rich backstory that we can right. dive into. And she's one that, uh, in our conversation with Mike, that we talked about, someone who probably committed a really terrible crime and has been in prison for a very long time, but was able to move down to minimum security. Yeah, I think she is clearly one of those people because you don't see anything from her flashback um, prior, you know, after about 1984. So Exactly. Yeah, that was interesting to me what time this flashback took place in because I thought at least like um, – the uh, the hot guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know his name in my notes. He's just hot guy. <laughs> he, um, he he was dressed very modern. So I it was like, this is weird because this has to be at least twenty years ago. Yeah, they didn't. They don't really. They don't really kind of um, throw it in your face with the clothing the way that they probably could. Uh, they tend to try to do the more um the more cold case approach where they throw the music in the background or they make mm-hmm. people toss out a random cultural reference to establish the time i noticed that in big booze flashback it was kind of the same thing where 
in the first segment, like that was very clearly the early to mid seventies because of the clothing that everybody was wearing. But then after that, you know, we don't have to know exactly what year it is, but if baby got back is playing in the bar, it's probably the early nineties. Yes, exactly. And same thing here. This was the early eighties just because they're talking about this revolutionary new thing called the moonwalk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a little heavy handed. They might've yes. been able to handle that a little bit better, but yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. And also I think the clothing could have been more jarring. And I think it's a little bit subtle looking just because everybody that is a Brooklyn hipster in 2015 dresses like those guys. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. A couple of years ago, we might've found it a little more jarring than we do. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. So we don't get much like Chang doesn't really have a current arc that um, we can follow, which is different from many of the previous episodes where we kind of see someone have a conundrum. Like last episode when we had Flocka with the wanting to get the new job and freaking out about the test. But Chang doesn't really do anything this episode. She just kind of, she writes a little thing for her drama class and she walks around by herself being weird. And that's what Chang does. Yeah, it kind of just showed gave an origin story to her isolation on some level. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why is she the way she is? Um, Because she has been told like her entire life up until the point where she commits the crime, she's told that she is going to be alone forever. Right. So she kind of leans into that and it's, it's interesting uh, to say the least. Yeah. I think I, very much enjoyed the drama class scenes where people are writing their, you know, how they wish that their life stories had gone and nobody is a brilliant writer. Yes. Which I thought it, that rang very true. Yes. Very, uh, very true to life. Uh, so the, uh, uh, the stories were, uh, I guess uh, too real might be the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and the the point where everybody dismisses Chang's story as being completely ridiculous, and it turns out that the part she embellished is not the ridiculous part. Yes, yes. They don't they don't directly come out and say that she ate the guy's gallbladder, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that she did. Yeah, it seemed like a very uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy that she muted that a little bit, but uh, my favorite part of that was Suzanne being way into it. Oh, you know Suzanne's into it. And Suzanne knows high art. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, Chang's story, um, when she is young, she works in her brother's shop, and they have a trade in illegal animal parts for um, Chinese medicine. And she ends up going with this other guy on a trade, and she saves his life, and so she gets a favor. And the favor is she wants them to beat the crap out of this guy that rejected her. I thought her favor was going to be, like, have sex with me, hot guy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, exactly what I thought that was going. She's like, yeah, I know what I want. And I was like, oh, like, she's going to, you know, be vindicated. Yeah, you get field. some, Chang. Yeah, but no, she took she took probably a better route and uh, it enacted revenge. Yeah, arguably a better route. Yeah. Um, I mean, if she just banged the hot guy, I'm not sure she would have wound up in prison. True, true. But, you know, she seems like she's at peace with herself. Yeah, she has her little shed and somehow has like a Galaxy S5 phone (laughs) and uh, and, uh, kind of 
is happy, you know, yeah. has her thing and does eats her oranges and has an okay life. Yeah, her life is fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to wonder, like, we've seen a couple of times people have hidden phones in the prison. How do you keep those charged? I was wondering that, too, but I'm guessing, like, and her phone looked brand new. So I was like, okay, maybe, you know, she got a, a black market phone with a charger on it. And, but like, what, did someone load it up with videos? Can she get on YouTube? Like, well, if she's no got idea. LTE, she can probably get on YouTube. That's what it looked like to me. I guess so, but is someone paying for her LTE? Yeah, and I think that's, there's a lot of cell phones in prisons. Um, I'm guessing that, you know, you just get a data plan and someone gets the phone to you and you hide it somewhere and then someone on the outside is paying your bill. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And really, like, that's kind of all anybody uses their phone for anyway these days is, you know, watch stuff yeah. on YouTube. And so that's a pretty yeah. sweet deal. Laying, uh, laying in an armchair, eating oranges, watching videos on your cell phone is pretty much my regular Friday night. So I, uh, I could relate to that. That seems like a sweet life. Yeah, Chang and I have that in common as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I will watch things on my phone when my computer and the internet equipped television are right in front of me. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, so she's not missing out on much. No, not really. Um, yeah, I am not sure how she managed to get those uh, Frito patties really crispy in the microwave. Yeah, she must have had it on high or something. They looked like actually decent when she microwaved them. Yeah, they looked like risotto cakes. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'd eat that, but you need a hot surface to cook those on. Uh, I'm not sure about the mechanics of that. Not sure, but uh, they're always messing with the mic. Oh, maybe I just thought of this. You know how the microwave um, was broken and Piper mm-hmm. had to fix it? Yeah. Maybe that, maybe it's because Chang was, Chang was messing with it. Maybe so. Maybe she's just like, maybe you sear it and then you cook it the rest of the way in the microwave. Yeah, that makes sense now. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. Well, these are the same people that like can make a can make a hot plate out of a car battery and a bleach container. So, you know. They're very resourceful in prison. Prison science is cool. The thing that I was most excited about this episode, I gotta be honest, I'm so excited about the return of Lori Petty. I knew you would be. Uh, What, like, an unceremonious return, though, right? Well, how else do you come to prison? I guess. But you would think, like, Piper would be like, oh, oh, hey, (laughs) remember me? And, uh, but that never happened. Piper was a little bit preoccupied this episode. I'm sure that they will have a reunion probably sometime in the next two episodes. Yeah, that makes sense. But I also felt like, like, I remember her because we liked her so much, but uh, definitely not a huge uh, reminder of who she was in the last season. Yeah, it might be one of those situations where you don't even need that context. Um, Like you, maybe if you could even come into this season without having seen the other seasons and it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. And she was so minor in the last season, but just a great character. She had one episode and I was, I was very excited to see her in that one episode because we haven't seen a lot of Lori Petty recently and I have loved her in pretty much everything she's ever done. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Apparently, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about this other new character we saw, but apparently Ruby Rose, I believe, is the name of the actress that plays um, Piper's new friend in the sweatshop. Hot British neck tattoo lesbian. Australian, actually. Oh, okay, Australian. Thank you. But 
we'll, we'll get into the ridiculousness of that, but apparently, <laughs> apparently she has a tattoo of Lori Petty as Tank Girl. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and how mu- how cool must it be to get to work with someone that you have a tattoo of? <laughs> and how crazy. embarrassing must that also be? I know. That, I can't imagine going somewhere and being like, I have a tattoo of you on my body. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and how about how about Pensatucky's introduction to Litchfield? Oh, she's great, isn't she? I thought that was so wonderful. Yeah, I'm not sure what I liked better. Her line about uh, Christianity being how you can tell everybody what to do and they do it because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Or the <laughs> fact that she thinks Healy is a silver fox. Yes, all of it is wonderful. I love Pensatucky this season, how they've relegated her to kind of a, like a unreliable narrator is amazing. Yeah, and I think if I'm going to have someone driving me into the prison and introducing me to the goings-on, Honestly, I'd rather it be Pensatucky than Morello. Right. And they had Morello do that before because she was like so sweet and everyone liked her and she was so nice. And uh, this is the opposite of that. But yeah. it still is working just as well. Yeah, it's really like you go directly to the heart of darkness. You don't just get the soft landing. So, yes, that's that's a that's an upgrade in my book. Um, I, you know, I don't hate that. And so apparently, you know. Lolly, uh, Laurie Petty's character, seems to have a pretty good handle on the system. Like, she is another one of these people, like Chang, who I think has been in higher security facilities for a very long time and is now, like, on good behavior. She gets to go to the minimum security place. But she knows the ropes. Like, she knows to get the kosher meal. She's like that person you sit next to on the airplane that flies all the time and, like, has all the tricks. Yeah, I like that. And uh, it was funny to find out that she wasn't Jewish. She uh, She just knows what she's doing. Yeah, Lutherans represent. Yeah. But, yeah, and she kind of started something. I have a feeling this might come back to bite everybody later, um, using up all the kosher meals and nobody in the prison is Jewish. (laughs) Yes, uh, I think that'll be interesting, and I think it'll be especially interesting uh, when, well, we have a couple things that are happening food-wise at the prison right now. A, Red is back in charge of the kitchen, and uh, we are... Pending uh, Martha Stewart joining. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, you got that one right on the nose. Um, and it's been a slow burn, so I'm guessing we're hitting about halfway through the uh, the season. So I think we're ready to kind of get another another foil here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Red, because yes. do, is she really in charge of the kitchen, or is she going to have to suck it up and work under Gloria? No, I think there's either, I think there's one of two ways this can go is either they team up and they become like they joint run the kitchen and make it the best ever, or, uh, there's going to be a fight and one of them will come out victorious. Yeah. Cause they had a great bonding moment early in the episode, but, right. but I think, I have to think that once Gloria finds out that Red's coming back to the kitchen, all that goodwill is going to evaporate pretty quickly. I hope so, but I bet when Martha Stewart comes, uh, they'll, like, you know, maybe that'll be the force that brings them together. Yeah, they could be a united front against the vulgar woman that puts cream in her carbonara. Yes, and I want to make a point that um, I have, uh, I like this show a lot, (laughs) but I'm, like, being very... uh, casual with uh names at this point so <laughs> i'm like a oh, hot guy that chang's brother's friend and, <laughs> and then the new ceo i called him jason sudeikis 
So, uh, <laughs> well, and we we haven't been calling Danny Pearson anybody anything but Burbigs, so exactly. we got that going yeah. for us too. <laughs> yeah, so I, I apologize now that uh, I've learned so many names and I've tried so hard and I've done a terrible job. So I am I'm doing the best I can with what I'm given. Yeah, well, I think so long as everybody is clear on who we are talking about, I don't think it matters terribly much. Like, I used to read recaps of various television shows where someone would drop a nickname on someone that was the own, their own nickname that they came up with in episode one and spend the whole season referring to them as this nickname, and I would have no idea who the fuck they were talking about because yep. I wasn't there for the inception of the nickname. But if we call, you know, if we have hot guy that's Chang's brother's friend that we're probably never yeah. even going to see again, I think that's okay. Okay. And if we if okay. we call the one guy Mike Birbiglia, we call the Martha Stewart stand-in Martha Stewart. You know, her name's Judy King. Who cares? Yeah, right? it'll take me way more time to remember Judy King <laughs> than uh, anything else. So, but, yeah. what a boring name. Just call her. They called it the Eastboro Baptist Church. They couldn't yeah. just call her Martha Buert. Yeah. What's <laughs> like, the difference? Yeah. Um, like, they call her... Marsha Bluert. <laughs> yeah, that would, that, would, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so Red is clearly working all the angles, and everybody knows she's working the angles. Healy knows she's working the angles. And I'm not sure exactly, like, what Healy's reaction was. Was that a human empathy moment, or was he just like, I might as well just do what she wants so she'll stop? I I think it was empathy. It's hard to say. Um, but yeah, I think he cares about her and wants her to be happy. Yeah, and she... Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, that's what, how I read it. Yeah, I can never tell how much is genuine in either end in this Red and Healy dynamic, which is one of the reasons I think it's cool. Yeah. And like, I know that you've gone on record as saying you think everything about it is creepy, but mm-hmm. I think there's some complexity there that brings out a side of both of them that we haven't seen in either one of them. That's definitely true, and I think uh, I I can get behind seeing different sides of both of them, especially Red, um, because I think, like, I, uh, she's just so cool. And, like, to see her, how she gets what she wants is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's a question that I could not, I could not decide. Was the food actually better under Red? I think so. Uh because when they first brought on Gloria, everybody was saying that they liked her food better, but now they're complaining about it again. So I'm not really sure if they were just blowing smoke or what. Maybe there just needs to be that like uh, change, you know, like people are going to complain about it no matter what. So uh, like it has to kind of just if they change it up every few months, people will be excited about the newness and not... Uh, it won't be stale to them. So, so a little but bit of the Danny Pearson manipulation method. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it seems, yeah. And it's one of those things like they don't remember whether it was better or not, you know, they just are sick of what they have. So they want something different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think red really articulated the imbalance that makes that, makes it uh, a universal fact that, you know, guards and inmates can't really be friends. 
uh, when she says, you know, you forget that when you leave here tonight, you lock me in behind you. And mm-hmm. I think that was a moment, that was kind of a turning point for Healy. Yeah. He is trying so hard to be empathetic and uh, be real, but uh, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Healy thinks he's the good guy. And we've gone yes, into that. They before. all do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and he also kind of. He hits Caputo at the right moment because Caputo's yep. got bigger fish to fry and Caputo ends up quoting Kanye West at him um, mm-hmm. when he signs off on it. He says, you know, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Like know, someone's been listening to the hit of the summer. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and uh, I loved, I loved a uh, side boob. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And yep. Red got a Mendez re-entrance to the kitchen. She gets like bikini killed behind her the same way that we see Mendez like swaggering back in with bitch and Camaro going under going yeah, behind that him. Was so badass. Yeah. So I was I was excited to see that and I think it it foretells an exciting power struggle to come. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of like that. It's a little bit of a throwback to season one Red, who's just so tough and uh we got her we got her downfall and now we're getting her being built back up. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, they're terrifying red, like the one that you wouldn't want to be friends with. And now everybody is friends with her, so. Exactly. Yeah, when we first met her, it was under kind of similar circumstances, and Piper was complaining about the food, and we thought she it was, like, so evil. You know, she was the uh, villain of what was going on, and it turns out that, no, she is just the best. Yeah, and again, it's, it's a I think it's a sign of a very strong show that you can take someone who, whose first your first introduction to them is they're starving out someone who insulted them, mm-hmm. and by season three they're your favorite character. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's a that's a Jamie Lannister redemption right there. Yes. So, yeah, Gloria. This is simultaneously the best and worst day of her life. Because Red's back, but also Sophia might be able to give her son rides to the prison. I know, that was so wonderful. It was a great moment, and, you know, if Sophia's just going to be stuck in her shop all season, at least, the least we can do is go there more often. I know. What a, is, like I said this before, what a bummer. I can't believe this is only the second or third time we've seen her the whole season, and it's just for this one kind of enablement of someone else's storyline. Yeah, that, that's that's not cool. We need to we need to bring Sophia back into the spotlight. And you know, we got six more episodes. Maybe it'll happen. Fingers yeah. crossed. But I hope so. We'll just have to be patient, I guess. Yes. We got probably you know some random character that we met this episode is going to get a flashback before Sophia gets another one, and that's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's talk about. Um, I had to go on the internet and look up the name because they didn't really say it in the episode. But let's talk about Stella Carlin, who is the rando, hot, short-haired Australian chick. Yes, um, who apparently is there to inject a little bit of tension in the Piper Alex dynamic. That's the best I can figure. Yeah, that seems like it. That's just oh, this you know hot chick who comes in and starts spouting about you know attractive privilege and stuff, and it's like. Another kind of self-aware, heavy-handed moment of the show. Um, them being like, hey, and like Piper, your problems aren't so bad. Like, you're a pretty white woman. Um, which I think uh, holds us... Like, and Piper basically said this, that her argument doesn't hold a lot of weight when coming from another pretty white woman. But uh, it was 
it was interesting banter, I guess, to say the least. And yeah, it seems like it's very much just setting up that this is someone Piper is or will be attracted to. Yeah, well, you know how Piper loves anybody that calls her on her bullshit. It makes her hot. So, yeah, I'm guessing that that's what we're being set up for. Like, Piper's going to be tempted by the fruit of another here. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is already boring to me. Yeah, yawn. (laughs) It's, you know, pretty white chick drama. Please, can we go elsewhere in the prison where exciting things are happening? I'd rather watch I'd rather watch O'Neill rant about red velvet donuts for 45 minutes than watch two minutes of this crap. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Poor O'Neill. He's having a rough time. I know. And I think, uh, it, it, as far as HR drama goes, this was m- more interesting than others. Um, because I think it is kind of interesting how Burbiglia, like, really, uh, reconciled this decision with himself by, like, making up reasons why they should be grateful that he's cutting their hours. And uh, Caputo and the other CEOs basically just being like, no, you're an idiot. Like, you are ruining, like, the only reason that this prison is doing okay. And you're just going to end up, it's going to end up being a mess. So that's kind of a huge bummer. Yeah, that got a little fourth wally, if you ask me. It was like, hey, let's shine a big spotlight on privatization of prisons. And here's one thing that they do. Like, they'll bring in... They'll bring in a management company that will cut everybody's hours so they don't have to give them benefits, and then they'll just hire anybody off the street to do the job, and they're manipulative, and this is all very true, but it does – you have to be careful how you introduce this kind of stuff into the story because it does start to feel very preachy. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, it was funny at the very beginning when Pensateki was like, now we're a private prison and it's the best thing ever, something like that, but – you know, it is, a, they feel good about it right now because it hasn't affected them directly, but it seems like that stuff will come crashing down. Yeah, I think in the short term, some of the solutions they have are going to work very well because it's all superficial stuff. It's like, right. oh, we've got new jobs that are, you know, better paying, and we got new soap dispensers in the bathrooms, and they put a new coat of paint on everything, but yeah, pretty soon you're going to have a bunch of a bunch of security guards that make the people that work here now look like, you know, Peace Corps workers. Yes. And that's not going to be good for anybody. Like, they're going to get people that make Lushek look like the most passionate, dedicated individual on the planet. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like Perbiglia said, Lushek, am I right? Yeah. And he was a good one. Yeah. He was one of the good ones. Yeah, or he's at least likable in the likable yeah. scoundrel sense. But yes. no, now they're they're you know places going all the hell because they're hiring guys that you know that sell red velvet donuts to people. I know that's that just sort of evil. Like, I know. I get that. I I I eat a couple artisanal donuts today, and uh, <laughs> I feel like a terrible person just because of that. So I I can't imagine being being who I've called uh, Jason Sudeikis of the donut shop as the new CEO. <laughs> donut Sudeikis. Yes. That is your new name, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, you can pry you can pry my pumpkin cake donuts out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> like pumpkin spice is might be trendy, it might be cheesy, but it is never wrong. Red yeah, velvet on the other hand, I can I can see O'Neill's point. Yeah, I was straight up with O'Neill on that one. It is just regular cake dyed red. Yeah, and it tastes like dye. Yep. So he is not wrong. Yeah. 
Um, but there were, I think this was a lot more tolerable than the HR drama usually is because not only did it raise the stakes for all the guards, it was also written in the same punchy manner that most of the inmate drama is written. Like we got some toss, some lines are just kind of tossed off that you don't really, that don't really hit until you think about them. Like we're a family, that kind of thing. Yeah. And like making Caputo tell everybody that he loves them. Yes. That was fantastic. Um, I liked uh, when Caputo is drinking in the bar with Danny Pearson and he says um, that it's like a lemon juice enema. What, your mom never did that to you? (laughs) It's like, where is this even coming from? Yeah. Yeah. But Caputo's being played like a fiddle. I think that's pretty clear. I know. And like, it's very, like, we talked about last time that, yeah, Berbiglia is being, he is the villain here. He's just in like a nice little package. So. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty diabolical of the company to, like, bring in this manipulative guy who's dressed as a Brooklyn hipster who's a monologuist on NPR. Mm-hmm. And you think, like, he's going to be ineffectual, he's going to roll over. But no, he's going to kind of come in from the inside and get you to do everything he wants and make you feel like it's what you want. And I don't yeah. think Caputo has really come around to that yet. He thinks he's got control of the situation. He really does not. Yeah, it's yeah. I wonder if there's an agenda on this show that like these kind of Brooklyn yuppie hipsters are the real enemy here because it's like this is kind of a, an, another Larry Bloom, another Piper. You know, they're from the same world. Yeah, like it, it feels like every time we talk about Brooklyn, we're skewering some aspect of the gentrification process. And personally, I don't have a problem with that. Um, <laughs> yep. I am someone who lives in Manhattan in part because I got priced out of Brooklyn. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, it, it is, it is pretty funny to see like the Larry and Polly people being kind of terrible people. And, you know, we've got this guy that he looks like he's someone you want to be like, but he's really just a giant jerk. And I think challenging stereotypes is something this show has always done very well. And I like yeah. it when it kind of, we can kind of cast somebody like this to play this bad guy. Yeah, I like that, too. He's just like, yeah, and it's Mike Burbiglia. Like, everyone knows he's just like this sweet little comedian. So I, I like him as the the devil in this situation. Yeah, he's more dangerous when he's asleep, to be honest. Yes. Like, he's going to come crashing through a plate glass window, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. So... Okay, so we can go we can go over to the um, Poussey and Tasty kind of had a little resolution uh, because Tasty realizes she needs to come clean about stealing the hooch before uh, Poussey goes completely insane. Uh, yeah, murders the raccoon squirrel. Yeah, because the raccoon squirrel is already in Poussey's laundry bag, and that's a little, that's a bridge too far. Yes. Yeah, but we also we learned some interesting things about Tasty, and I guess I guess we did kind of know this that Tasty goes to AA and just makes shit up because she's not really an addict. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. That's a cute little thing that I would like to see them do. Yeah, although it is disappointing to know that the story about the barbecue sauce might not be true. Ah, disappointing, but. I don't know that I buy that, you know, oh, Poussey, you have a real problem. Your alcoholism is starting to affect those around you. Maybe all you need is to get laid. Yeah, this is, uh, this storyline is weird. And, like, I wrote it off a little last time, and, like, I still kind of am not super into it. Because I think Poussey is, like, such an interesting character. 
that like why is she being given this like really kind of basic conflict you know and like not that like I like to in no way to undermine like alcoholism but like it this I know it's been part of her story but it's always been a more minor part of her story and she had a lot more going on and now it's suddenly like okay yeah I oh yeah I need a girlfriend it's like okay well uh sure (laughs) but like that's not really that seems like a real sweep under the rug of what's actually going on here. Yeah, that's not going to fix your problems. Right. Um, You must love yourself before you can truly love others. I think Suzanne would tell you that. Yes. And, like, I just feel like the alcohol thing was not well-developed. I'll go so far as to say that. That, yes, it was not, like, it came out of nowhere, but it also is so, uh, like, it, it... the motivation for it, I don't really understand. Yeah, well, I, f- I feel like I can see this conversation happening in the writer's room. Like, everyone's sitting around, they got, like, everybody's everybody's names are up on a board, like, what are we going to do with people this season? And they get to Pusey, and they're like, well, Pusey had a huge moment last season where she, you know, she was in love with her best friend, and it wasn't reciprocated, and she had this power struggle with V, but now we don't have V, and she and Tasty are good again, what are we going to do with Pusey? Well, there was that scene where she said she made her own hooch and she got drunk off of it. So what if we just had her get drunk off the hooch all the time? And then right. she's got a real problem and she has to struggle with her alcoholism. It gets so after school, especially, guys. That is, you are better than that, Orange is the New Black. That's why I was just thinking, like, it reminds me I, of the show Degrassi, <laughs> which, like, there's a million characters and everyone has to have their own struggle. So it's, like, it's a lot of, like, painting by numbers of, like, what struggle are you going to have? And, yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll get more interesting and more dramatic. And, like, again, like, obviously, like, this is, like, you know, the most common addiction in America. Like, it's very tragic and very heavy. But if that's what they're going to do, then, like, make it tragic and heavy. Like, don't make it, like, put it in, like, this context of, like, you know, this is just, like, a teen getting drunk and, like, her friend having to intervene. Like, it's either a real problem or it's not. And I want to see, I want to see real problems get treated like real problems on this show. Yeah, yeah, this show is definitely, you know, we've seen people die of drug overdoses and we've seen yeah. people do all the heroin. I think we are at the point now where we can have somebody have a real problem. Right. Yeah, yeah it, yeah, it seems like, yeah, very haphazard for a character that's so popular and uh, has so much depth to her already. Yeah, Pusey is being criminally underutilized this season and I think... I want her to, like, I could even buy, like, a kind of a comedic search for love. Like, give her something like what Morello is doing, only inside the prison, where she's going on dates and, you know, meeting the ladies and mingling. And I, I'm okay with that, but we don't need, to, if that's the case, we don't need the alcohol. Yes. Maybe the Australian girl will be her girlfriend. Oh, I would ship that. Yeah, I that, would too. That'd be pretty hot. Then it kind yeah. of then that means we can watch them and we don't have to watch Piper or Alex. That would be really nice. Yeah, that's win-win. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I guess that's about all the big moments we had this episode, although I did want to call out a couple of really funny kind of random moments. Um, 
I want to see more of Frida all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I love her commentary on lingerie where she says, in my day, we just got to the bang and we didn't wear anything. Uh, yeah, I like her a lot. And I think, yeah, another underutilized side player that I would love to see more of. Yeah, I, I think as much Frida as we can get, like give her her own flashback episode. I don't even care. Um, and I also think the palpable revulsion on Morello's face when she's talking to the anime guy was pretty amazing. And it, it, Morello is basically going on Tinder dates right now. Yeah. And it's <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, this is the prison equivalent of Tinder. And that means yes. that these are guys that can't get laid on Tinder. Yes. Yeah, this is, yeah, and having to, like, pretend to be interested in the things that they're interested in. And, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but she seems like she might have made a love connection with Bachelor number three, so... I hope so. I liked him. Yeah, the second she was really real with someone and she's being a little vulnerable, you know, maybe this guy will replace Christopher in her in her affections. Yeah, I hope so. I liked this guy and uh, his love of jujitsu, which is delicious. So, <laughs> I'm... Yeah, <laughs> I definitely I want her to be happy so if this is how that happens then that's fine by me yeah and it's just good to see her out of her funk yes yeah so I guess that kind of closes the book on episode six which I think I mean in the previous episode Mike pointed out to us this is one of the highest this is the highest rated episode of the season and I does not surprise me it was full of good character moments we got some great we got a great flashback we got some really funny throwaway lines even the even the caputo stuff was fun to watch so i'm really looking forward to where we're going to go with the next episode so until you guys hear from us again you can feel free to engage us on anything you hear in this podcast or anything else related to orange is the new black um you can reach me on twitter at haymaker hattie and taylor where are you uh you can reach me on twitter taylor cotter Fantastic. And you can leave comments for us on postshowrecaps.com or you can uh, leave us some reviews, rate us in the iTunes store. We always love that. Uh, Anyway, you want to get in touch with us, feel free. Um, We're always happy to hear from you. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you again for episode seven. See you guys later. Everyone is waiting, waiting on you